Hey, it's John Richards, A Cut Above Horror Review, episode number nine, and man, we got some good friends out there in the horror community. Uh, in fact, this week's special guest, we've got Andy Gilly, my former co-host of Horrorphoria. Yeah, uh, we're talking about a movie that, that he, he has some opinions about, but he's uh, seen quite a few times, Phantasm from 1979. So uh, kick back, enjoy episode number nine, a cut above horror review. Well, let's uh, let's let's start it right about uh, now, boy. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening, and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing Phantasm from 1979. Before we get into it, let's meet everybody else on the show. First, let's welcome a very special guest, Andy Gilly, formerly from the Horrorphoria podcast. Welcome, Andy. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Good to be uh, back with John. I can argue with him again. It's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I really appreciate you uh, having me on the show tonight. It's, uh, it's uh, really great to, to be back uh, doing some podcasting and talking about horror again. And, and Jacqueline, real, real quick, is that, that Andy and I have talked about this movie probably in our last I don't know, four or five episodes on horror for yeah. you that Andy really wanted to do this movie because he's seen it so many times. Cool. Well, that's I, perfect. I, 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 right. Go ahead. No, I, the, yeah, this is a, this is a movie I've seen quite a bit. I've got, um, I mean, it's not my favorite movie. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it and uh, we'll, uh, I'll give you my opinions. Yeah. John knows that I'm, I'm always happy to give my opinion about everything. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's what makes for a good show. So uh, we're really excited to have you on the show, Andy. Uh, I think Hyderberg and I might as well probably just like take a back seat and like be quiet and let you do. Yeah, I feel like we're <laughs> no. for a reunion. I'm kind of just. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. I... <laughs> you guys need to carry us. This yeah, is, with uh... the Fanny show, I followed it. So. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it feels like meeting a celebrity because I've listened to Horrorphoria so much. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Awesome. Uh, let's let's officially meet everybody else on the show. Next up, we have Hyderberg. What's, What's going, going down, on, Hyderberg? guys? Andy, I just want to say it's nice to meet you for the first time and podcast with you. And I, I'm glad that we're doing Phantasm with you. I think that's a good, uh, it's like a great pick. I remember listening to your show and you guys were talking about it. You were you were zeroing in on it. So it was nice. It's nice to do it finally. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you guys about it too. I've, I've been listening to a uh, cut above uh, quite a bit. I really enjoyed Thank the you. Frank and Hooker episode last week. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you guys have some great opinions. I'm, I'm uh, real interested to see how you, how you uh, what you think of Phantasm. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's going to be a good conversation. I can tell. Uh, last but not least, let's say hello to John. John, how you doing this week? I'm doing uh, fantastic. The weather has been out uh, fantastic out here. Although we got some rain today and some thunderstorms in San Diego, California. And I got to say, uh, I am beyond stoked to have my former co-host of Horrorphoria podcast, uh, Andy Gillion. So, Andy, thank you so much, man. It, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> I know Absolutely. you. I know you love this movie, by the way. <laughs> I well, don't spoil it. Don't like spoil it. the review. <laughs> oh, he likes it. Like oh, we're gonna we're we're gonna talk about stuff later that 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 maybe people aren't privy to. But yeah, I know you like it. So finally, we get to talk about phantasm. 
so far he's playing it pretty close to the vest. From so. 1979. Yes, 1979. indeed. Movie's older than me. What? Yep. So uh, I understand, Heidelberg, you, you saw Candyman this weekend. I did. I saw right? Candyman in theaters. I highly recommend it. I don't want to give away too much in case we cover it, but I definitely recommend it. I think it was a good, uh, I don't know if you call it like a soft reboot or, you know, whatever you'd call it. it it's really well made. It's got that Jordan Peele feel. Yeah. Um, it's really the quality's up there and uh, awesome. there's some good scares and, and it has some stuff to say too, socially. So I think it's a good movie. Awesome. I kicked the theater's ass this weekend. I went twice, two days in a row. Really? What else what did else you see? see? I saw The Night House. What, the what's night that? House. How was that? That's uh, David Bruckner's uh, next film after he did The Ritual. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so that's like a, a thumbs up that from Hyderabad. Her husband and has to deal with grief, and it's uh, it's pretty good. It's like I'm gonna have to like get a back good into premise. Theater. Yeah, it had <laughs> some good, it had some good like scares and, and atmosphere. Like I really, I dug it. Right. Andy, were you saying that you haven't been to the theater since the pandemic began? Uh, yeah, I don't think. No, I have. I saw uh, that M. Night Shyamalan movie. I forget what Ooh. it's even called. Old or whatever. Old, yeah. I yeah. went and saw that. It was so that memorable. Was, yeah. I mean, it was all right. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I've been to a, a theater a handful of, uh, of other times, but uh, but it's been uh, been pretty sparse. And I actually, you know, John and I discussed this uh, on Horrorphoria. I actually do enjoy I'd rather watch it at home, actually. And uh uh, that I kind of I was kind of looking for Candyman on uh, you know Amazon or something this weekend and uh, when it wasn't there and saw it I had to go to the theater I was thinking oh, hey, that might be one that I need to need to go back into the theater to see. Mm-hmm. Like a, I think that sounds like it would be worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't have really any news to get into this week, but uh, let's jump right into the movie because I'm dying to hear what everybody has to say about it. Hyderberg. Will you grace us with a reach-around plot synopsis? <laughs> this, um, I feel like performance anxiety because Andy's here. He's watching me. So I feel he is. He's uh, watching you like a hawk. Plus, I only right have now. two hands. There's yeah. three of you guys now, so I don't know how to give a three-person reach-around. I'll try. Andy's my just notes a voyeur. in front of the Zoom, so so don't worry. Yeah. I can't even see you. you, you use right, a foot. Use a foot. <laughs> Ready. With okay, minions little brown and low to the ground, a tall man roams this little town. To other dimensions, he'll drag you down. Can't kill this man with bullets, no. You'll fight this man blow for blow. Cut him and you'll see him glow. His interdimensional reign must come to pass. Leave Reggie, Jody, and Mike to kick his ass with barracudas and quad sawed-off shotties. Kill him even if he looks like a hottie. Escape <laughs> this man's maze of death and fight for <laughs> yours with every breath. A dreamlike state that feels so real. Because this tall man's got balls of steel that suck your soul of all its joy. You'll know you're done when he calls you boy. Oh my God. That and I know awesome. that the sort of quad shoddy is Come on, the second applause. movie, but I needed it for my rhyme. And it's yeah. one of the badass parts of Phantasm. So, yeah. Every so week the nerd, the horror nerds jump on me that I got it wrong. It's from the second movie. I get it. Was, that I was great. Hydraberg, brilliant, dude. Okay. Another good one. Amazing. Amazing. I, I aim well, to please yeah. when I give a reach on. I, I don't know what to say. You always well, I got off on it. <laughs> it's all about the climax. 
<laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So um, what's everybody's history with this film? It sounds like Andy's seen it a ton of times. It sounds like it sounds like we all have. Is that fair to say? Sure. Yes. That's, that's definitely fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this a movie everybody's like grown up on or you first saw it as an adult? I saw it as a kid. It? Mm-hmm. I definitely saw this as a Bits kid. And pieces, yeah, yeah, same, same. Like, like, you know, you know what I think is that like initial thoughts should go to Andy Gilly. Uh, Andy yeah. Gilly, initial thoughts of freaking like um, so Phantasm. Sure, absolutely. Um, I uh, I'm pretty sure I saw. I definitely saw this on VHS the first time I saw it. <laughs> uh, it was probably I was probably 11 or 12 years old. Um, and it is. Uh, I mean, it's. It, I think it's. It's one of my favorite movies uh, around Halloween, just because of the mood and the uh, atmospherics in the movie, I think, uh, or what I really enjoy. It's not all that great a movie, actually. And watching it again uh, under a critical eye, um, yeah. I feel that like the entire Phantasm franchise is a little bit like Hellraiser in that the concept is like a lot cooler than anything that is, that's been put on film as, as far as that goes. I've seen all of these. I've seen Phantasm 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Um, and they're, you know, they have varying degrees of, uh, I think they're all enjoyable. I think if, if you enjoy this movie, you should, you should watch them all phantasm. And I, I, I hesitate to say this is a bit blasphemous, but phantasm two is actually my favorite. Yeah. It's the one that, that, uh, didn't, they, they changed, uh, they changed Michael in it. And, um, so, um, uh, that's actually one of my favorite ones. Phantasm three is a little bit of a horror comedy, uh, and then four and five are, it, it, they're, they're rather interesting. I think four is the one that they found, used some lost footage from this movie uh, mm-hmm. on. Is that and, the one where they uh, go into, into the tall man's like backstory, like really deeply? Yeah, they, and they do. Yeah. And I don't know that, that it's really that great of a story no. either. The, what they, uh, you know, how they develop that character, uh, how Costco really developed that character. But uh one thing about this is this is Don Coscarelli's um, baby, his child. He he uh, has crafted this the way he wants to do it. He's never, uh, you're never going to, you know, as long as he's alive, you're never going to see a reboot of this. You're never going to see a big budget production of it. He is an indie filmmaker. And uh, that is, th- he has made this fran- Phantasm franchise exactly what he wants it to be. So um, if that's not what uh, we like, he doesn't really care. You know, so whatever <laughs> I say about it, it's the way he wants it. And, um, you know, I, I th- except for Phantasm 2, which was uh, the only one that had a budget and the one that had the most uh, studio control over it. So um, I like Phantasm. I think it's mostly um, the... Uh, I think it is mostly the mood that it sets. The uh, There's some nostalgia goggles there. And and then, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the characters... Uh, are 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 great, but I don't think they ever really reached their potential in, in the entire series. Great thoughts, yeah, for sure. Uh, I know exactly what you mean about the mood and atmosphere. I think that's super effective. Um, Hyderberg, what thoughts do you have initially? Uh, initially, I, I I mean I do like Andy said. I see this movie through nostalgic glasses a lot too because I grew up with it. And this movie, The Tall Man, and those uh the balls, like they just, they bugged me out when I was young. You know, uh, this movie, <laughs> it had, I don't know. It has its own vibe to it. Like you said, it's, it's, it's the director's baby. Like, and, um, 
I th- I think you're right though. Like the entire series in general is is pretty good as a whole. Like there's things that it's missing, but when you when you kind of cram it together, it builds a lore and a story that's pretty good to follow. And the characters are good. Like like you said, they replaced Michael in the second one, but they keep that actor for like all the rest of the films, right? Like so, it's the like, same Michael from from after that. Um, as far as like the first movie, it sets it up, but like sometimes I confuse the first movie and the second movie because they're sort of like there's similar scenes, right? It starts off right from the end of the first one, I think, the second. Uh, I just like the movie, though. I, I like the way it sets it up and the uh, the lore and the story and this, like, these small, like, town characters and, like, they're dealing with this, like, weird interdimensional demon thing. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There's not much like it. True story. <laughs> right on. There's not much John? like it. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to you because I'll go last. Go ahead, Jacqueline. <laughs> okay. Um, it sounds like I have a little bit of a different experience with this movie than you guys. I didn't see it as a child. I've seen it a bunch of times, but I my first viewing was in my early 20s. So I was already sort of grown. I didn't I didn't like um, identify with the main character as, you know, a, like a 13 year old boy that that just wasn't my experience with it. Um, but from the first time I saw it, I just was really captured by that mood and atmosphere and that sort of dreamlike quality that it has to it. Um, and, uh, there was, there was a lot that really touched me about it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily particularly scary. Uh, but again, maybe that has something to do with seeing it as an adult and not having childhood memories of it. Um, I'd like to hear, uh, how seeing it as a child affected each of you, like whether it was frightening to you at the time or whether it was just like a cool movie. Um, so overall, I really enjoy this movie. It's, it's one that I think has high rewatch value. I've actually never seen any of the sequels. So I feel like I'm really, I feel like I'm really missing out actually. Um, I just, it's just one of those things I haven't gotten around to, but, um, maybe we'll cover them here someday. So, uh, Joe Bob covered them in his Christmas special. Oh, for real? Oh, a good chunk of them. At least I think most of them. So yeah, you can watch them like that if Shutter, Shutter still has them. Maybe. Okay, then that that sounds like a good. I just don't have the first one. Oh well, who cares? <laughs> so that that's pretty much it for me. Just an overall positive feeling. It gives me good kind of Halloween vibes as well. Like Andy said, uh, just a just a fun movie to watch. I really like it. I notice little things about it all the time, and yeah, thumbs up for me, Johnny. Oh, here we go. Um, I think the Tall Man is one of the most underrated um, antagonists ever. Uh, we we talk about Michael Myers. We talk about Jason. We talk about Freddy. I I love this movie. I mean, again, like the the sequels are fine and and they're great and, you know, bigger budgets or whatever. But the thing is, the thing about this movie is that it just kind of created this character that, that you feel you're scared by. I wasn't scared as a, adult but as a kid it just felt like oh my god this guy is like frightening the way he would walk and the way he would talk and you know say the word boy you know it it was the 10 minutes left in the movie before he actually said that in the movie but it's just i don't know i mean i i think this franchise was so good I, i i think it's so underrated and you talk about Friday the 13th, you talk about Halloween, you talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, that it's just, this should be included in that because it it was a franchise that actually brought 
this character, you know, Angus Scrim um, or, or, or the tall man that we were frightened by, you know, just what he did or, or, or the silver ball or whatever it was, but iconic. it, It is, it really is. And I just felt, you know, I loved it. I've, I've always loved the first one. Second one, Andy, I'm sorry. It was okay. The first one to me was just, it was just more like, it felt more, even watching it today, I was like, yeah, that, that, that brought me back to my childhood of being afraid of this tall guy that's walking towards you. You know, it's like the, the funeral starting soon go in there. And then it's like, you don't get the boy thing, but that's the most iconic thing that he does. And it comes at the end of the freaking movie. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I loved it. I loved this movie. Get into spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Drop that spoiler warning. Oh, okay. Oh, exactly. well, 1979. We're talking about phantasm. Uh, if you have not seen this movie, Pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. But there we go. <laughs> all right. Now it's a free for all. <laughs> there we go. All right. Let's go. You know what? One thing I really like about Phantasm is like the sound and how they use silence in it. Like when they're walking through the mausoleum and the mm-hmm. echoing and how it's just quiet until, you know, something happens and it's not. I think until it's, it's almost like, uh, what's that? Until you hear the tall man's like footsteps. Right. Right. I mean, I think it really uses sound well uh, in that way. And the uh, I don't know what version you guys watched. I, I watched the uh, uh, Blu-ray that Bad Robot did. Uh, I have it on the video. If, if you here, Here's our Zoom thing right here. Yeah, right, we got the Blu-ray right, exactly. right there. But, um, this is a uh, this is the remat. It's Phantasm Remastered is the one that I watched. And um, it so gave it a 5.1 soundtrack and all that kind of stuff on there, which I think uh, helped it out as well. Uh, I think it was kind of, um, it was a little murky and very indie before, and, and I think it polished it up really nicely. I think it, that J.J. Uh, Abrams came to Coscarelli and was about to do another project, and, and uh, he spent uh, a couple months doing that, put off, uh, I forget what what he was going to do if it was... Um, uh, that movie about the drugs or whatever that he was going to do, but uh, I can't remember what, what it was, but uh, he, he put off another one of his, of his projects that, uh, to do the remaster of Phantasm when J.J. Ab- Abrams came and uh, asked him to do it. So, uh, and, it, and it turned out really well. That's the version that I watched and the uh, sound on it is just phenomenal. I, I, I agree. Like the one thing that I noticed is that they actually use footsteps way too much in this movie. Like the remastered version I watched on Tubi was just like, you know, they were on carpet. They were like, that didn't bother me at all. I didn't watch it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah. It bothered me a little bit. The sound design I noticed right away. I was like, this is crisper. And the music, the synth soundtrack, the soundtrack to this movie is really good. It's dope. It I mean, that, that, that's the best thing about it. That's I mean, it was just like, it, just, it, 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 it's so iconic, like, like good, Exorcist or Halloween or whatever. It, I agree. It's it sounded like awesome. the Minion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, when I was watching for the first time, I noticed today that it, the music kind of reminds me of Goblin, the Goblin score from Suspiria. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. Okay, good, yeah. good call. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 
that that uh the theme or whatever you want to call it from phantasm i think is is up there with like halloween or or something too i mean it, it really it doesn't get the credit it deserves as far as uh setting the mood it's it's really There's awesome a sense of dread that it sets just like the halloween theme yeah definitely yeah i agree with that and andy i think you're right and i actually read one of my trivia points is that uh the theme you that the just that theme piece was intended just to be for the credit sequences, but it worked so well and Don Coscarelli felt that it really fit the mood of the movie so well that he wanted to portray that he ended up using it, you know, several times throughout the movie as well. Um, just as, and so I think that's part of why it's so recognizable and so uh, memorable. Wow. Yeah. This was made before Halloween too, the, yep. the original Halloween, so. Well, like how, how it's like same year, right? 79? Well, no, it came out in 79, but actually it was made in 77, so. Gotcha. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that too, I guess. That's right. I was going to say it's the same year, isn't it, John? But yeah, that's right. No, you're right. No, you guys are right. I mean, it came out like pretty much the same time, but like this movie was made two years before and it sat sat on the shelf. So it was just like, yeah, that's cool. awesome. I don't know, man. It sets up the the tall man like really well. You know, you just get glimpses of him. You see him as the woman in the beginning mm-hmm. when Tommy's death, you know, he kills Tommy. You can see that he can disguise himself. Right. And then we see him pick up that casket like one handed almost. And you're just like, whoa, something's off with this guy. <laughs> I love those things because they let you know right away that you are dealing with something that is not of this world and we're not, it kind of tells you what sort of a universe you're stepping into and what the rules of the game may or may not be. Like, okay, we're obviously not dealing in reality. Something uh, weird and supernatural is going on here. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, when you, once you realize that this villain can disguise himself or present himself to other people as, you know, a hot woman or some other form, kind of like all bets are off and it kind of makes you wonder like oh what else is he capable of so um i i agree with what john said earlier that he is really sort of an underappreciated villain and should be talked about in the same breath as freddie and jason and michael myers and all the rest for sure but you see that more in the second movie i mean like andy Mm -hmm. was saying is that that you see more of that in the second movie where he just becomes this iconic thing but he's never talked about when it comes to horror movie villains. And he's got no, his own he really isn't. Is that- he, he isn't. And uh, I, I, yeah, I like what, what uh, Jacqueline's saying. You could, you could tell that like when Jody and uh, Reggie and those guys were carrying the, were, you know, the Paul bears are carrying the casket. You could tell it was like supposed to be really heavy. And then he picks it up with one arm. It it does kind of show you that he's out of this world or something. I think that was a really great scene. He, right. he just kind of picks it up like it's a, a you know a stack of books or something, and <laughs> throws it in the yeah. uh, throws it in the hearse. One thing I thought was interesting is that was like a side loading hearse. It like came out yeah, the have... casket, like came out of the side of it. <laughs> no. have, I've never I've seen, seen that them before. with both. You can put them in the back, or sometimes they come out the sides. Do they? I've never yeah, seen that before. I always see them come out the back in real life. So. Same <laughs> but, here. Uh, yeah. But I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like the the tall man is, is just as good a villain as as Freddie or or uh, Michael Myers or Jason. Um, 
I think that uh, this movie doesn't really, and, and I like that about this movie. It doesn't give him that much, much background. Uh, and I think it makes him scarier actually. Um, you know, you, you don't know what he's about. You don't know really what he's doing. Um, and you know, is he, is he an alien or what is he? He's they call it a different planet, but it, like, yeah. I got the idea that it was hell or something. That, Another um, dimension is what I always thought. It right. Was. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but a hell like dimension. Like, yeah. There's and, minions, like there's demons. They give that of. to, they give that to Reggie is that, that, you know, he does the, the little triangle thing like for his guitar and he was able to, you know, reverse everything. And then just it, it became kind of weird. And that, that was the problem with the movie is that it just became convoluted. Yeah. You're just like, you know, what's going on here. But then at the end of the movie, you're just like, wait, hold on a second. This guy's still here. And then, you know, he gets taken to this planet or hell or what, whatever you want to call it. So I think, I think what Hyderberg just said is absolutely how I feel about this movie. It's convoluted. That's a great term yeah. for it because there's yeah. so many things in this movie. It's like, what the hell like is going on? Here? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's not explained. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's not, it's not, you know, why is this going on? What's happening here? You know, there's like these people that, that look, I, I always thought they were Jawas, you know, but uh, <laughs> that's what I thought too. That's what I wrote down a lot. Demonic Jawas. Yeah, they, they really do look like jealous. But there's these tiny people, and you find out later that they're like scrunched down humans. There's so why do they yeah. scrunch them down? I mean, they find they're out that one's Tommy. Wouldn't they be, or, wouldn't they be better they're, served they're, as taller? Or? They call them slaves. They call them. Nobody slaves. notices yes. them. He said something about like, like the gravity foot. in that other dimension crushes them down. Or what? And no, and, why? Yeah. It's like first of all, is why that would that happen? And that second of all, mm-hmm. no, that's in this one. That's that's in okay. this one. But it's like, first of all, why would that be a thing? And second of all, why would he just automatically know that? Like, all of a sudden, he knows exactly how all of this works. Like, okay. Yes, that's exactly. It must be it another no planet. Sense. Yeah. Because you really don't see that much of it. You just see them kind of like walking in a line and there's a red. Pla- it's like, how do you how do you know? But it's OK. I mean, yeah, so it is convoluted. I get that. And um, but it's I sort of don't mind. I almost feel like that kind of makes it charming, you know, kind of like an ugly dog or something. You're like, oh, it's still cute. So no, I feel I like the dreamlike agree. state of the film yeah is mm-hmm. like it can be a little convoluted because of that right they can lean on that a little bit so it's like yeah it's convoluted because it's a dream because it's right. you know what i mean so it's like yeah it doesn't all make sense because it's a dream you know you know that's a really good point but uh coscarelli actually wrote this movie because of a dream he had a dream about uh wow. like a nightmare and uh that's where he got the idea for this i uh, spent like uh i don't know six months up at a cabin or something writing it but um yeah, I, I guess. Don't I wish yeah. your dreams yeah. would deliver awesome horror movies to you that you could just write <laughs> yeah. and like, get really successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have the most boring dreams ever. I like I'm eating a slice of pie or something. It's not even like exciting pie. So. <laughs> exciting pie. That's a horror movie. That is a horror movie. Exciting pie. Yeah. By the creator of um, Happy Death Day. Yeah. Pie. Just just put it on trauma. You'll be fine. Freaky. Exactly. Like Frankenhooker. <laughs> or poultry geist <laughs> um can we just talk real quick about like one of the the best unsung protagonists of this movie the uh 1971 barracuda plymouth oh, Barracuda. Oh one of the best parts of this movie when i even when i was young i was in the cars and i was just like 
Oh man, it's just so badass. Like I remember this movie all the time because of that one car too. Wait, uh, I'm just gonna tell Jacqueline. Let's let uh, Andy and let's let Hydroberg talk about this one. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, no, I agree. I absolutely about the car. That car is one of the characters of this film, and it for some reason is something that makes this movie awesome. Yeah, <laughs> gives it an edge. It, it does. It appears in every single movie. It, and I noticed what I thought was interesting is, is a 440 Barracuda in this one. It's a 426 Hemi in uh, in several of the uh, sequels. So oh, see, I think they, Coscarelli just upgraded his own that. Barracuda because this is his Barracuda. It's Coscarelli's Barracuda. Oh, nice. So he's just like, I got to get this sweet, <laughs> sweet girl in the in the film. But yeah, yep. they do battle in it a lot. And there's lots of chase scenes with it. And it's just a, it's a great car to look at on screen. It, you know, it's nice to it, it gives it like a nice sound. It, it is. It does. It, it is. And that that sounded great in the movie too. The uh, the four forty, I guess it was in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we yeah. should be grunting like Tim. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> the comedian. <laughs> Tim the Tool Man. Tim 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 definitely. I think. I I definitely think that the Barracuda adds uh, just a little bit to this movie and is probably part of For the me, reason why I like it so much. Absolutely. Andy, but but doesn't it become more of a character in other movies like this one it's a dope car seriously but mm. like this movie it was yeah it was like part of it a little bit but it's, it's like more in in later movies right it's cool too because it's jody's car right and yeah then it becomes yeah, yeah. reggie's and mike's sort of like yep. because they lose jody right so i think right. that's really cool that is jody's car that's right and and because i for a while, I was confused about that because Reggie's the one who I always thought it was Reggie. I'm like, how do you get well, a Reggie car like has that the ice cream, cream truck? Hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. right. Absolutely. And he just Is that shows like up. An actual <laughs> job you could make a living on in the 70s. I mean, Back what, about, down, the I guess. what yeah. about the bow tie he had? That was awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, man, yeah. Mr. Softy. <laughs> I, I like how he, how he continues to wear that uniform throughout the series. He's always in his ice cream man outfit. Yeah, with the vest. Well, uh, go, going back to the Barracuda for a second, I just this is my only comment. I don't know shit about cars, but that is a sexy ass car. It is. It is. It really is. You know what I noticed about it too is they're always working on it. Why is it like? That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> they're gearheads. I, yeah, I mean, they're family. always doing something. They're always under the hood on it. Uh, then uh, you know, Michael is underneath it. It gets dropped on him that one time. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it happens. Well, I kinda, well, I almost kind of wondered if Michael was like under Jody's tutelage of how to, you know, work on the car. And so he's like, yeah. you know, doing his practice or whatever. Because we see later on in the sequels, they do like crafting and stuff like that. Like with the sawed shoddy that I mentioned in the in the, my oh, background. Like there's definitely some like that's like reminds me of Evil Dead a little bit when they're there's like they're making weapons. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. I I, I yeah. guess that'd be Army of the Dead or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's they, so, they do they do a lot. Like Reggie does a lot of like he yeah. he makes that one like quadruple shotgun or whatever. Yeah, the like, yeah. 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 shotgun and it's like narrowed down like in a triangle shape, and it's just like it's so bad. At, that's iconic too from the sequels. It's just I just remember it him is, with that thing. It is. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I, well, as long as. Well, as long as we're talking about the characters in the movie, let, maybe we could talk a little about the human characters. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about these protagonists, but I actually felt a lot of um, like love for mm -hmm. Michael and Jody and even Reggie. Yeah. Uh, you know, when 
at the beginning of the movie, we kind of find out this sad situation where their parents have died and they're all the other has left. And Michael seems to have some real fears and anxiety about Jody leaving. And Jody says, oh, yeah, he's, ta- he's talking to Reggie and he says, oh, I think he knows I'm leaving because he just follows me around everywhere like a puppy. And, um, you know, he even goes to see the psychic about it. And, you know, he's, he's just obviously struggling with this. And so I think a lot of the like emotional core of this movie is about like their relationship with each other and their love for each other. And this like this feeling of mm-hmm. that they might be separated and and where they're this uncertainty as to where they're going to go from here that becomes a through line throughout the whole series too like a, a part of the story yeah mm-hmm. the friend relationship family you know brotherly relationship all of it well i guess mm-hmm. if we're, if we're going to spoil it i mean that's that that was the problem at the end is that he actually died in a car accident so it's like okay so you know with that through line but did he he did <laughs> he did to reggie but then i feel like the tall man shows up and takes so like the tall man is a thing still yeah like he shows and up then and that's that that boy um <laughs> that was a problem like, like like at the end of the movie so i'm glad somebody uh jacqueline i'm glad you brought that up because it was just like like throughout the movie it was just you know a jody was trying to protect Michael, but it becomes one of those things where it's like he didn't. And then, you know, that was your curveball at the end of the movie. It was just like, wait, hold on, hold on. What, what happened here? So he died in a car accident, but, but um, Reggie was taking care of him. And then tall man showed up. I, I guess that was the, the fun part of the movie. I mean, to me, that was like, the best part of the movie was just like, wait, hold on a second. It was all a dream or whatever it was, but no, it wasn't. Maybe no, maybe it's interpretive. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say I, this is one of these things that I'm too stupid and they need someone to explain to me <laughs> because uh, I was like, what? Now, now Jody died in a car accident. What, what car accident was that? You know, I just it just kind of came yeah. out of nowhere, and and yeah. I didn't really understand that part of it. Taken on its own in the first movie, I, I didn't understand, but I really do think that, uh, the loss, you know, you know, funerals and loss and all that is, is a big theme of this and part of what makes it, uh, scary and part of what gives it its mood. Um, and, uh, you know, Michael's fear of loss, like Jacqueline said, that's, that's a great point. That is really is kind of a running thing throughout all of it. Um, But yeah, that that twist at the end or whatever, I just I didn't. I'm too dumb to understand what happened there. What what? So Andy, <laughs> okay. Andy, I, I want to comment on what you said. Um, I don't think it's that you're dumb at all. So just, be, I, I was an English major and I spent many years as an English teacher. And uh-huh. just in in any kind of text, I think that the device of having a whole story, a whole narrative, and then at the end, you're like, just kidding, it was all a dream that's pretty much viewed as like a really cheap cheesy like cop out and not really not really like a strong plot device at all absolutely so i don't i don't think it's that you're too stupid i think it's just that it it is a total curveball at the end and as an audience like all of us are just kind of left to have to cope with that turn of events like i think everybody kind of has the same react like oh 
okay, so he's been dead this whole time, I guess, but the tall man is still real, I guess. You okay. see that one glimpse of what it looks like. Maybe he's at his funeral or something, or he's at yeah. the grave looking yeah. around. No. I, I I do I think I really kind of hated that part actually I think they, <laughs> I, I didn't like that choice and and Jacqueline's I right say, I mean that's yeah. that's a really cheap uh, device for uh, writing a story I and mean, there's a joke uh, uh, Dallas the show Dallas had an entire oh, season yeah. that was like that it was totally uh, they they just said it, it was, was a whole a show who shot Jr. And the very last episode, right? Doesn't he wake up and he's like, oh, yes. well, I had the strangest dream. And it's after this whole series, right? <laughs> yes, like, it was the whole nuts. season. It like negated the whole season and people were pissed about that. You know? <laughs> I thought that was saying elsewhere. So we're, like somebody's like looking at a yeah, globe the snow globe. Yeah, It's an autistic kid looking at a snow globe and the whole story has been a thing that he made in his mind. Yeah. 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 No, right. I mean, I, no, but, I don't so know. To I, me, I, that's like the main drawback of this movie. Like, dream logic and dream like imagery good it yeah. was all a dream and none of this was real bad right but the way it paid off was fantastic because he still got dragged through the mirror you know yeah, so 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 uh, uh reggie's telling him no it was all a dream don't worry about it he still got dragged through, through the, the mirror and then we got like six different uh, uh, sequels for this movie, so it was like, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, fine. <laughs> Tall man, keep bringing them to me. I'm good. It, it set up one of the best scenes in the movie too, where he's in bed and the uh, things are grabbing at him. Tall man yep. standing over the top exactly. of the bed. Oh, that's like his that, first dream with the yep. tall man. Yeah. So I, I haven't back, seen the sequels, I'm but uh, go ahead, Hyderberg. No, no, go ahead about the sequels because it's on top. Oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, I haven't seen the sequel, so I don't know how this plays out. But just the way it ends up, that everything that we just saw was not real, but the tall man still comes through the thing and gets him at the end. So that makes <laughs> me almost kind of think that the tall man is sort of like in the same family as maybe Freddy Krueger, like he kind of can live in your dreams, and what, what happens in your dreams can manifest as reality. And He's so I don't, I don't know abilities. how that. Yeah. So that that's I think that's that makes it cool like if he can sort of uh move between realities i don't fully get it but that but if that's the case then i think that's pretty cool i just don't like that the whole story we saw is not real right some of that too i don't remember exactly right but the ending of nightmare on elm street i'm sorry we're not talking about this movie but like the mom (laughs) being dragged dragged through the freaking window you know as this car's driving away with a freddy krueger uh the, the, the top the rag top, top yeah. yeah but that was so much better than that i this mean it dates <laughs> that though it, it totally does. Being through the mirror yeah you're saying the phantasm thing was better than the ending of nightmare on elm street oh absolutely it was i don't know about that well, I mean, at least they didn't use a Barbie doll but, for the end of this one. So, yeah, that, that was like, <laughs> practically it looked better. I think the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street is more ambiguous than the ending of this one. Not uh, really. Not really, because he, he looks right at the mirror and like like tall man sitting there like hanging up going, boy. And then all of a sudden he gets dragged through the mirror. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is I think that this the ending of Phantasm is more clear, like. I feel like we're back in reality at the end sure. of Phantasm, but that the tall man is still real. Whereas Nightmare on Elm Street, you think it's over, but then you see the ragtop, you know, on the car, and then the mom gets dragged right. through the thing. Okay. And so that it's like 
is are we in reality now or were we in like inception where this was like a dream within a dream and this is still a dream state and so True. i feel like that's more ambiguous it's like you you don't quite know what's going on at the end of nightmare on the street that's just my opinion but no I, I agree with that I, I totally agree with that and um I, I guess, you know, the, the fact that Nightmare on Elm Street is a movie, you know, about dreams and stuff makes a little more sense, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, but and, and I think leaving the ending ambiguous, like in Nightmare on Elm Street is is a little more, uh, I don't know, it's a better ending, I guess, uh, than this just kind of throws this curve out of nowhere. And and it, it it's not, a you know. I don't know where, where it came from, I guess. There's not so much of a curve, though. I mean, it, like, because uh, Reggie's telling him, no, you just had a nightmare, dude. You, your brother died, and this, this, and this. Um, but you didn't see this tall man. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he goes upstairs, exactly like they did on Nightmare on Elm Street of, you know, the mom being right through. You know, it's a, a ambiguous of, like, Nope. Okay, Freddy Krueger's real, like like right. Tall Man's real. So I mean, yeah. th- that was the same thing, right? Maybe. Yeah, similar. I think. Um, I don't know. I I, I think of this. I, I'm not positive, but I thought in the sequel to this one, you find out that like that's a dream too. Him being pulled to the mirror. Right. And they wake I, up I like so. the Tall Man's coming for us, and it's like a continuation right from the get go from the uh the, the end of this one mm-hmm. i forget i have to watch the second one again it's been a while. I, I think it does it continues right after that and then the house yeah and like on the run it becomes like an on the on the road movie yeah where they're on the they're like running away from the tall man yeah because mm-hmm. he blew up he blew up reggie's house or whatever i remember that yeah. yeah so can we talk real quick about like that first kill and the first time you see one of the sentinels because that's what they're called i call them uh, balls of death but that's what <laughs> i used to but they're sentinels and um, man, those things were just so cool on screen. And even now, you know, with the remaster, I'm sure it's cleaned up a little bit. But even with the original copy, like they look cool. Yeah. The special effects that they use and the and the way they don't show the camera in the glow of it, like the uh, the reflection, it's really well done. Even if the gore looks a little cheesier nowadays, like the blood's really red. But yeah, at first the blood was red. Michael, it. It, it hits him, and you see how it bores out your like brain yeah. matter. It's pretty fucking badass. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I loved it. I yeah. wish there were more of that. Actually, um, it, it, do, does that era. get played up more in this? Oh yeah, yeah. There's variations of those, and you find out how those are made a little bit, like why. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Like right, they're a little sentient, or they're called sentinels, but I, they never say that in the movies. I don't think. I, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, like I, I googled it. And it's on the wiki, so is that called the fourth or fifth one? There's like thousand of them or something, isn't there? There's oh, ones cool. with like little blades on them, and yeah. Like yeah, by the, by the end they they got CGI for them. So yeah, uh, but but I really like uh, that all of the effects in this are practical. Like you said, no, mm-hmm. you can't see the uh, uh, camera in there. No, when that no. thing drills into his head, that's still a pretty great scene, and, and it's all it practical effects. It's awesome how the, how they how they did that. And I think again, just like the um, just like the Barracuda, the ball is really one of the stars of this movie as well, mm-hmm. as much as the characters. <laughs> Uh, and, and it doesn't, you don't even see the ball that much in this film. Yeah. Um, it becomes much more of a star. In fact, the tagline for Phantasm 2 was the ball is back. I remember oh, yeah. seeing the, uh, seeing the trailer to that when I was a kid. <laughs> oh my God. So, uh, I mean, it really is an awesome and scary. There's nothing else uh, like that. No one. Who was the girl in that? 
I, I, I mean, I get it, it was like maybe a, uh, the, the tall man, but like you see her multiple times, but at the very the end of the movie, What's that? Mm-hmm. The lady, the lady in lavender. lavender is who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the tall man. Which again, it it doesn't. They don't really explain that, and it's it it's also left pretty ambiguous um, as yeah. as to who that really is. I, I guess you you know I don't know who's you, you don't need everything spelled out for you like I do. Uh, you 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 can figure out it's the tall man, but uh, it, it's pretty. I don't know. There was one scene where they actually. Oh filmed a, a a headstone and it was just like it, it had a name i i didn't write down the name but uh. it just seemed like like maybe that was that girl but it, it was tall man taking her body over maybe oh. he's, li- he's been alive a long time so he he would know other people like that lady could have been dead for a while and nobody knows what she looks like anymore true but he could take her form because he knew and he probably prepared her body and turned into her like one of his minis well, you know, we that talk, we're talking about the females in this movie. Can we talk about, I don't know, Jacqueline, there's no like real female representation in this movie at sure. all. Like they're very throwaway. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's as a woman. And then there's the ditzy like girls who get taken later and Michael jumps out the back seat. And that's yeah, really there's, it. there's there's really this is like a, a dude driven movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I noticed but, that. But even as a as a non dude, um, that, that's non-dude. okay. Like it's it, it's not like um, it's not like unrelatable for me. There like, are it's still more in the sequels. Super enjoyable. Like Michael has oh, a girl, okay. a, a love interest, right? I believe that. Um, I think there's a there's kind of a, a badass uh, like yeah chick in the third one, and then uh, yeah, I can't remember two. I think. Uh, there definitely are more female characters as as the as the sequel. I just noticed with this one. Yeah, you're like, right. Oh, really... There's just like a lot of male characters in this one. Yeah, it's a dude movie, but that's okay. Um, okay. I it's... like I, but I like Thanks the way me. I like the way the the few women who are in this movie. I like I like the roles that they play for the most part. So, <laughs> I like that the lady in lavender is used as like a lure mm-hmm. for yeah. you know Jody and it's for Tommy and. So I, I think that's cool. It's like the tall man is smart enough to be like, you know, to like transform himself or whatever he does into something that's going to lure in his victims. And so, I, you know, I think that's that's pretty cool and clever. Um, and then I also, the two female characters that I like that I wish we could have seen more of were the psychic woman and her granddaughter. Um, I love a good psychic in a movie. I know it's kind of like a just a, a trope, like an old trope, but I that's don't care. God damn it. I love a psychic. And I think it's really cool that her granddaughter has like some of the shining to her that she translates. It's like she translates it's for. Cool. But her dialogue, her dialogue is some of the worst dialogue. in the movie. It is. It was so is. Oh yeah. I mean, like, it was, it was kind of, it was cringe, but, um, but I, I just thought it was cool. Right, like though. the whole atm- atmosphere of the home where they're, where they're telling the fortune and the way that the, like the old woman is not speaking at all, but the the granddaughter is like hearing or understanding her and then just like giving a voice to it. I thought that was badass. I love psychic scenes. I love seance scenes. So but, that, that hits for me. But it also like was that. A, it was a throwaway spot because, you know, the granddaughter's like sitting there like trying to translate for his, for her grandma. And then all of a sudden they, they look at each other and laugh as soon as Michael leaves. And so <laughs> this guy's a dumbass. You know, that's the way oh, I felt about it. I didn't, 
I didn't interpret it that way. What did you I, do? I did. I, I, it just looked like, that? like this guy's like so stupid. Like, well, <laughs> he believed what, what we said. That's okay. That's not, I don't think that's the way I took that. I can't remember what the last thing they said was, but I thought that's what they were laughing about. I don't remember them. I well, didn't no, think, he, 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 he I, I remember, I remember what the he, last thing was. Well, he put, he put his hand in the box and was like, Oh, that hurts so much. And they're, and the, the girl, the young girl was saying, Oh, don't fear it. And that's what he said throughout the movie. But like, like they looked at each other after he left and was just like laughing. It was like, <laughs> we got well, like he sucker. actually used that later. So I feel like they were imparting real knowledge on him. About, I, yeah. like, how did I get that. But, yeah. but, but the way they looked at each other was like, this guy's a dumbass. is like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, so they're, they're, you know, they're fortune tellers and they're, they're, they're touched. So like, they're probably kind of, yeah, they, they're a little uppity sometimes. They're they're portrayed that way sometimes in, in films and stories. And, and I, like they know more I, than you, right? So I get that, but the, but yeah. the, the way it Naive. felt after he left was like he's yeah. a dumbass. Um, you know, he just gave wait, money. They're laughing it, like eluding. Wait till he sees, you know, meets <laughs> the tall man. That's that's kind of what I that's kind of the way I took it. I guess Hyderberg is is just like that. Is that huh, boy? He's in for in for some. <laughs> yeah, he's in really in store for some. Maybe they knew that a uh, different actor was going to play him in the sequel. I don't know. I, I mean, that's <laughs> <a good idea. laughs> he doesn't I mean, like you're going to be replaced by a better looking guy. <laughs> yeah, I just took it as Hold like uh, I took it as like a knowing laugh, like like they something that they know between themselves. Like oh, you know, there's rough water, rough seas ahead. Um, or maybe yeah. even as like a little bit of affection because the grandmother pats the granddaughter's hand. And I almost kind of thought it was like, like hey, you oh, should, you're you're, you're following in my footsteps. You're learning. You're getting better at the craft or whatever. Right. Um, maybe I'm way off, but that's how I took it. I didn't see it as like that guy's such a dummy. I didn't John, see it that way either. Yeah. You were mentioning uh, hands in boxes. Um, can we touch real quick on the finger in the box scene? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the finger in like, it looks like yellow mustard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he Michael takes it back as proof to his house, and I just love that scene. It turns into this like stuffed, like huge fly demonic yeah. creature. That scene is so outrageous. They fight it and they put it in like a jean jacket, <laughs> and they're like, trying to get into the fucking trash disposal. Yeah. Oh my god! And it's got like glowing eyes. It's just so stupid, <laughs> yeah. but it's funny. That descended into some like Sam Raimi level absurdity. Oh, totally, really, totally for real. Yeah. And uh, Reggie comes in and is like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, God. And then, like, it comes out and it goes on Reggie's head. The scene where it comes on <laughs> top of Michael's head, like, slowly. It was some evil dead, definitely. Right? Sam Raimi. It was. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It was funny. I just, no, I mean, you got to think about this. It, it's just made previous to Evil Dead. So yeah. Sam, Sam Raimi took it and yeah. went, yeah, let's go with that. It just shows yeah, I bet he loves this the movie. abilities of the tall man. Like he can transform and he can come after you psychologically and try and like mess with you. And and in the sequels, he does other stuff also where he transforms or like. What year did Star Wars come out? 1977. Okay. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> wow. It's weird. Cause this, I, this I, came I, out in 79. No, no, I, 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 I know remember it came out in 79, yeah. but I, I, Why do you ask I, that? Because I'm sure this movie sat on the shelf for a couple of years before it came out in 79. I'm just, I'm weirded out by the Jawa thing. I have trivia about that. Do you want to know now? Yeah, tell us about that. I've I've always been curious about that. Please. So uh, officially, according to pretty much everybody involved with the movie, the 
dwarves, the, the, the concept of the dwarves was developed before Star Wars came out. Um, really? So Coscarelli had sort of created this vision for them. Um, and then while they were mid-production on this film, the first trailer for the first Star Wars film came out and they were like, oh shit, should we change wow. this? And they, they did some hemming and hawing and some back and forth and they were like, yeah, we've already shot too much of it. Fuck it. Let, let's just keep it. So, I actually love the dwarves. Like, Andy, you said with the remaster, like the sound is really cool yeah. when they're around, like heavy breathing and like their little growls and shit. And you can hear them scuffling around. Like, and I, I listen, I watch this movie with a headset on. And like, you definitely get a little bit of that directional sound where you're like, oh, wait, they're over here. They're behind the mm -hmm. bushes when Michael's like spying on, on the tall man. Mm -hmm. I think it works yeah. really well. They're cheesy, but they, they work really well am plot. i the only one who was reminded of the girl in like the red coat in the movie don't look now do you guys know that movie where donald uh, southern is like his daughter's dead and but he grabs her and it's around like, town no! but it's like this old dwarfy yeah. looking woman and so i don't know for some reason that's always they've always reminded me of each other <clears throat> i just think it's weird that this came out before or this was being filmed before before star wars and then all of a sudden, Star Wars came out. And then I feel like it's entirely coincidental. And there's probably it, it is. oh it sure, is. absolutely. You're gonna tell me George Lucas was like, this movie wasn't out yet, so there's no way of him knowing that these. Yeah, characters. he could no. he couldn't have known. And I mean, and maybe his it's scripts were written <clears throat> way before this. Yeah, but Hydraberg, what'd you say? What'd you call him? Oh, they look like Jawas. I didn't say that. You guys did. I said that. All right, Andy, well, Andy. of course they look like, of course they look like Jawas, but I they're mean, in I burlap think sacks. All, <laughs> yeah. But I think we can all, uh, you know, I'm accept serious. that Star Wars has had the greater cultural impact and is probably more sure. of, of a of a Absolutely. presence in our in our cultural consciousness than yes. Phantasm, unfortunately. But understood. Um, but understood. I, and maybe it's naive of me, but I believe Don Coscarelli when he says he already had the image of this before he before the trailer for the Star Wars movie came out. I believe him. Andy's actually got a really, really interesting story about Don Coscarelli. For real? Oh, he does. What's that? Your story I about do. Don Coscarelli. Mine? Yes, yours. Remind me about like, my story about Don Coscarelli. Was that <laughs> I ordered all that a, stuff from his website? Lavatory with him or something? He did. No, I'm just kidding. No, like you got some stuff from Don Coscarelli. Yeah, I went on his website and I bought some stuff. It's pretty great. You get like a whole bunch of stuff from him when you... Uh, well, you I, got bought some cool book. I bought his book, True Indie. Right. So uh, I think uh, I think I did buy the autographed edition of it. He sent me a picture of um, uh, what is that? What is that drug movie of his? I can't think. Oh, of it was uh, John Dies in the End. John Dies in the End. Yeah. He sent, uh, me, like, he sent me this like uh, uh, picture of that movie signed. And then uh, I got a Phantasm poster with it, too. So when you order from Don Coscarelli's store, you really get a lot of pretty cool stuff. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Did he send you a picture of his ball? Yeah, yeah, of his ball. Yeah, no, I, that would have been great. I think Just you can get a, you can get a a DVD with the ball in it, but um, not Don Coscarelli's ball. But uh, you know, it's not the wall. <laughs> so, oh um, lordy. No, it's just, it was pretty great. I, I did not expect to get all that stuff. Uh, so yeah, order some stuff from his store because uh, he, is like he I said, he's uh, very, very much about being an indie director. He's not, he doesn't um, 
you know, he's never going to whore this story out for, for a bigger budget or anything. So I mean, when you get like phantasm five or, or six, uh, I think he crowdfunded uh five and, uh, that's, that's the only way you're going to get more phantasm is if I'll you be honest, sort of stuff. I think with the proper vision and a good director that knows, you know, you know, this time frame and everything that's going on, like let's say like a Rob Zombie, maybe like you could really, <laughs> You could no, I'm just kidding. You could really like. I think you could remake this film and make it pretty good, and it could still have some of that dread. It could be a road movie. You could have. I don't know. You could build on the whole like. Imagine like worrying about your your family members being turned into like these minions of death for this guy. Like that's part of the part. They don't touch on it as much, but like Michael's parents might have been. They were used like right like. Your family, anybody that's been buried in that small town has basically been turned into this guy's fucking army of the, the undead, you know, or whatever they are. So it's like, right. it's, no, it's pretty dark. I absolutely agree. If, if this had a director, a writer, and a budget, it, it would be, you could make a film out of this. Make it amazing. Would you want to see it? Would you want to see a remake of this? I, I would, I'm actually. Saying, actually, I, I would. I think you could if it was done with love. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think if you get you make an uh, the right director, sort of, like Heidelberg said, not not zombie, but uh, <laughs> somebody really good. You have to cast a tall man perfectly. Everybody I, I, else could fall in line. You Andy, focus on that first. Wait, hold on. Everybody hold, else falls in line after. Heidelberg, hold on a second. I, I disagree with you, Andy. I think that 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 Rob Zombie could actually remake this perfectly if he didn't write the script, right? Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's he, an he, much better. As long as he doesn't write the stuff, uh, he, yeah, he is a really see good director. You're Sherry right. Moon, whatever her name is. Or yeah, exactly. Coleman. I don't no, she could be the hottie. No, she could be the hottie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know who should play the tall man is that uh, Dalber guy from the Coach Show, the show. Coach. Oh yeah, remember yeah, that yeah, yeah. Dalber. That's oh, yeah. 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 They're bored with the same guy. Yeah. I don't know, dude. He's not. I think Clancy Brown. Play a good It'd be a new thing for him, man. man. He'd, have, he'd have to. Oh, know, Clancy Brown would be an awesome. We already mentioned man. in the in the Mortuary Collection. Yeah, uh, that episode two or yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. Yeah, Clancy he, Brown he, would be dope as a tall man. You know, like, he he's got the deep vibes. voice. He's got that gravitas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's actually a good idea, but I don't know. For me, part of the charm of this uh, this first Phantasm film is the seventies vibes. So I don't know. I, I'm just I'm happy with my 70s phantasm. I don't know that I need you, a remake. You could replicate that 70s vibe a la like um, you Rob know, Zombie it follows or um, <laughs> what was that? Adam, what was it? Adam West? No. What was that movie that had like an 80s vibe to it? Um, it follows. I can't no. Oh, I uh, House of the Devil. Yes. Oh, Something like go. that where you kind of like an homage to that time frame and it's filmed in that that sort of um, vibe. I, I wouldn't have a problem Rob Zombie directing it just as long as he didn't write it. Yeah, That's as long as he didn't write it. No, you're absolutely right. He, he yeah. would be. A, he, he would probably do a great job on this. I think he would. I think. I, I think he would kill a, a, a remake of this movie or a reboot of this movie. I, I I do. Just don't write it. Like there's there's we, another guy though that doesn't like to be controlled by the studio. Doesn't want to have any. He wants to do everything himself and do everything his own way. And right. uh, sometimes that's not, you know, sometimes some studio control is, is a good thing. Uh, Rob <laughs> yeah, Zombie would be probably helpful. Well, Rob Zombie, it? I imagine, is like a petulant child who needs to be, who needs like limits imposed on him sometimes. Sure. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> that's 100%. All right. 
All right, we should put this on track. Um, should we wrap up this? Anybody have anything else with this? I have one tiny thing I want to just mention because I loved it. Uh, the part where Michael is locked in his room and he rigs this like hammer uh, yeah. gunpowder thing to like blow a, blow a hole in this part. I, actually, I, I, I wanted to ask Andy about this. Is that possible? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't do that. It's a bit extreme way to blow a hole. Kind of blow back his hand, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if he had a hammer, he could have just the like hammer's hitting banged a hole in the door the anyway. Shotgun shell. But... It could actually shoot the shotgun shell out, but the force blowing back that hammer, if that hammer's flying out of his fucking hand, probably breaking his wrist. Yeah. Anyway, that, I thought it was a cool moment. I, I love. It gave me a it laugh. Was cool. I loved it. it. I got Freddy <laughs> vibes for a minute. Like, I thought he was going to set up a trap originally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, also yeah, just going back too. real quick, Andy, your your idea, like Rob Zombie doing it. I was kidding around, but yeah, the fact that he doesn't like to use the studio might make him a good spot, a, a good director for the remake because you know, just like the original director tried. To if do he's a fan, I mean, I think he's more of he's a, fan a fan of that sixties like monster kind of stuff. I'm I'm not sure that yeah. you know. Yeah, sure. If he, if he's a big fan of Phantasm and gets it, I think he'd be a great director for it. You're right. I mean, he he does not. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, care for any kind of studio control or anything like that and, and he doesn't want to do things uh he wants to do things his own way so that could be good in some in some circumstances i guess i actually i actually brought it up that rob zombie could actually do a good job on this movie as a reboot but i just don't want him writing the script that's all i would agree with that i got so. a winning idea we write the script send it to rob like, hey, Rob, <laughs> we got a gold a script of gold for you there we go all you got to do oh. is direct it. There's there's one thing I want to say that just I don't get it. What how Michael is riding that motorcycle around in the uh in the cemetery? <laughs> no, it Who lets him do that? Out. That's really disrespectful. It's the 70s, don't you think? Bro. Yes it is. <laughs> I don't know. That's why the tall man is after him. In a, probably in a cemetery, there are maybe patches kind of ground that it. aren't used yet, so maybe he's cutting in between them or something. But yes, I don't know. You know, he's, he's riding this uh, like two-stroke motorcycle around in the cemetery. It seemed seemed pretty disrespectful. I, I maybe the, maybe the uh, tall man was upset about that. Maybe he had it coming. Then again, none of those graves are filled mm-hmm. with bodies. He doesn't know that. Well, that's true. It. Actually, you're right. I didn't yeah. think of that. Let the body. But sit he doesn't before. know that. But he doesn't know that. Uh, uh, nobody knows that. Though. Yeah, you're right. Fucking cast tonight. All right, that, that's all it. right. That's it. All right. So let's 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 get down to, to rating this thing here. Um, uh, Andy, since you're our esteemed guest this evening, would you like to go first with your review and rating? Yeah, yeah out, of, out of ten, out of ten, yeah. boys. What are you feeling? <laughs> so, like I said, it, it's got a definite vibe. Uh, I love the kind of themes of death and loss and uh, the the whole like mausoleum setting. Uh, it really, uh, for some reason, I really like watching this movie around Halloween. It has a really good Halloween vibe in it, even though it doesn't happen at Halloween. Uh, I think it really just has a, a, a nice uh, Halloween type spooky setting. Uh, the acting by Angus Grimm, fantastic. Uh, the characters are great. Uh, but I mean, the ball, the Barracuda, all of these things are great. Now, <laughs> there's some things that are not perfect about this movie. There's, there, uh, I think con- convoluted is a, is a good term to uh, to say about it. Maybe it makes more sense when you look at it in the uh, as a dream or whatever. Um, 
but I think there are, there are some things that could be improved. Uh, there's um, just uh, some kind of bad acting from some of the, uh, some of the characters in it. Uh, so I would give this uh, probably a 7.5 out of 10. Whoa. All right. 7.5 out of 10 boys. Boy. Uh, Boy. Boy. Yep. Johnny, what is your oh, rating of this movie? Nineties. Give it to us. Um, actually, uh, the acting was actually really bad in this movie, but I, I man, Andy, I, I, I got to say this, this nostalgia glasses are huge for me. Um, <clears throat> I think the tall man is like one of the most underrated uh, antagonists in any horror movie that's ever been produced. And I don't think enough people have seen uh, uh, the second movie or the third movie yeah. or Ravenger or whatever. Um, I, I, I can't disagree with you about anything else, but I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10. What? Boys. You're blowing zombie beepers <laughs> out of the water right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I love this movie. Like, every time I watch it, I love it. Yeah. So what is what, you what would your real score be if you weren't looking through it with the glasses? An eight. An eight, probably. Okay. Really? I, I, I love this movie. I actually love this movie. I think I think it's I think it's yeah, not I, possible to like say what you would give it if it weren't for the nostalgia because you can't really remove it, that. Really, filter. yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's like you got to ask me about like Halloween 1978, and then and you'll be like, well, yeah, I, I could pick this apart, blah 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 blah. But I actually love this movie. I really yeah, do. Really, and I'm I, I'm so bummed out that we actually didn't get to do it on horror for you because yeah, I would have blown your mind. I, I really think my score would be kind of low actually if i had never seen this before and didn't really hadn't seen it as much as i had if i this is my first viewing of it i'm not sure that i would really give it that highest score just because it's uh you know i think you need to see it a lot to appreciate it and maybe have uh, a, a perspective from the past on it i don't know i know but my effects are grading a little bit too right like it's hard right. not absolutely to let it's really not an awesome movie, but I mean, the thing is, is that it is though. I, <laughs> well, according to me, but like watching it again, it was so much fun to watch. And, yeah. and I guess I, I, I just couldn't pull it apart. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I, I couldn't pull it apart for, for the problems that it has because it does, it has a lot of problems, but I mean, who doesn't love the tall man? The tall man yeah. to me was like one of like the best antagonists in any horror movie. Absolutely. So, John, what you're saying is the strengths of this movie really make up for whatever shortcomings that it may have. Well, absolutely, and it wasn't go overly gory. And then Andy loves nudity, and it's got that right. Got that. Yeah. Along with some nudity, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hydraberg, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I like this movie. And yes, I do look at it through nostalgic glasses, but I mean, it's hard not to do that with any 80s movie. I grew up in the 80s. My my love of horror started in the 80s. And this movie I saw when I was a kid and it's always freaked me out as far as like, yeah, I watch it now. I It doesn't scare me, but I still think, like you said, John, it's iconic. Like the tall man is phenomenal. Like the lore behind the character is, is pretty cool. They build on that later. 
but the mystery of them too in this film like you said andy is really good like they don't have to go too deep into it there's enough of a character there to like he scares you and the fact that you don't know what he's up to or what he's doing where he's sending these bodies like that that is crazy like um i feel like angus scrim like his portrayal of the character it's legendary you know he's a horror icon that is definitely underrated um the the balls of death or the the sentinels no other film has a tool of death like this like they're just so cool i don't know like them and the tall man themselves and then you know in excerpts the the barracuda are the three things that i think of the most and the sort of shoddy actually from the sequel but of like this film when i think of this film like the tall man and the balls of death or the sentinels as you want to call them like even though you don't see a ton of them, they're in they're ingrained in your mind, and you just remember, mm-hmm. and you build a film around that in your mind. Like you just remember the tall man first, and how imposing he is. True. I think the characters of Mike, Reggie, and Jody a little bit, like their relationships, they're pretty well done. I know the acting isn't as solid, but the actual relationships, I think they're built well enough in this film that they travel over into the sequels pretty well. And you feel for these characters, you feel their dread as they're running from the tall man. And just, I don't know, they're just like cool characters. Like you, you like them, you want them to pull through, you know? And they have enough of a complex relationship that it's not super like just dumb. Like they're not just servicing the plot, you know? Um, the practical effects are great. There's some great explosions in real, you know, real explosions that they did that you don't, you don't see that as much anymore. Like real explosions, you know, it's dangerous. Um, the the gore and the gross out factor in this movie, and then the sequels coming up, like it's really good. The um, the Sentinels, they had me shook as a kid. And the uh, you got a soundbite right here, but the intensity during the scenes when the balls are on screen, it's really cool. Like you you look forward to their bloodlust. Right. The balls are just blindly seeking out a target, and when they hit it, it like you even see it. It like goes past Michael in that one scene when he ducks down because it's going after somebody else at, at some point like it's going it's already targeting somebody else and just like when they go to work it's it's awesome to see on screen uh i love the pov shots that they did of the balls traveling and the different vision of the balls we see that red like filter on screen you get a bit of like why they're seeing things later you understand why they're seeing things um why you get that pov shot and um like i like the the interdimensional backstory of the tall man even though it's not a that um, drawn out in this film, like they show it a little bit, you see what's going on, but you don't have a full grasp of everything. You see way more of that in the sequels. Um, the music in this movie, I forgot how good it was. And then like the remaster that I watched, definitely that was the first thing I noticed. The remaster, the sound design and the music are bumped up. Like they, they're crisp and like the music just, that synth soundtrack is so spooky and it's awesome. And like you said, that's why it feels like a Halloween movie, even though it has nothing to do with Halloween. That synth soundtrack kicks mm-hmm. in and it just gets you in that spooky mood. You're just feeling it. Like it, you could play that at a party without just you know, put the image on oh, the screen sure. and at a party with other music or something. Um, I like the sound design also, the scrambling of the minions and the breathing, the growling. Like it's all really well done. And I notice it more in this remaster too. I know I'm not judging just the remaster, reviewing them, reviewing the movie as a whole, but it's really good. And Last, I, I got to give a shout out to the Barracuda as a as a pro, because it's just badass. I don't know, not everybody but <laughs> on the Barracuda. I have some cons though. There's some rough acting in this movie, 
especially the fortune teller's granddaughter. Um, so I got to give it a ding on that. There is some questionable dialogue that could be seen as problematic nowadays. Um, <laughs> they they say the word retard, which is not you know PC anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like there's some you know, but it's a product of its time. So like, and none of the characters are seen as nasty. Like when they say that, it, they're saying something that was okay back then. So like, I'm not going to ding it too hard on that. Well, but, they said know, it one time. But I can see yeah. someone being offended by that. And yeah, it, it, agreed. It, they said it one time, but I, I agree with yeah. you. And uh, the representation of women could be stronger. It is in the sequel, so I already know that. But in this one film, I feel like there could be better. There could have been one really strong female character. If we would have seen sure. a flashback of like Mike's mom or something, or somebody like holding the family together or like something would have been cool. Um, the story gets convoluted at times especially towards the end. We discussed that. It's interpretive. I don't know. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Is, is it Jody dying in a car crash? Who knows? Um, also, one really big critique, and we didn't touch on this, is there's no fucking way that Jody gives the keys to his little brother, who's <laughs> underage, <laughs> fucking Barracuda home when he's making out with some chick. There's no way he does that. No big brother is going to give away his barracuda like that. No way. That thing's a beast. And you let little kids drive that thing home? Absolutely not. All right? So with that said, this movie is going to get 7 out of 10, boys. All right. Jacqueline, how are you feeling about this movie? Well, I don't think there's a whole lot that I can add uh, to what you guys have already said. Um, I agree that the atmosphere and the mood are amazing and just give you that certain je ne sais quoi, that just sure. certain something, you know, it makes you feel some kind of way. Um, of course, the tall man is iconic and indelible in our in our minds. Um, I, I Like I mentioned before, I think there's a lot of heart to this movie, you know, centered on the relationship between the brothers and even with Reggie, you know, he's almost kind of like an uncle figure to Michael and you you really feel that he cares about about Michael and so you feel like there's a lot of love here and the stakes are high you know they they want to protect each other um, and so characters that I can relate to like just nice everyday people that you could imagine having in your life and that care about each other and their developed characters you know that makes me care about what happens to them and care what happens in this story so that's a major plus um, I really like there's a lot of great imagery. There's a lot of very surreal imagery that contributes to that, that mood that I was talking about. I think there's very little fluff in this movie. You know, it's, it's a lean runtime of, I think, 89 minutes. And there, yeah, there's not a lot of development of certain ideas. But on the other hand, I feel like stuff is happening in every scene. Um, it doesn't drag for me. Um, it, it, I, I enjoyed the pacing of it. Um, and I think that's due to the absence of a lot of fluff. So um, as, I, as I've already mentioned, the drawbacks for me are some of the wooden acting as you guys have already mentioned. Um, the plot gets a little incoherent at times. I think maybe it was kind of weirdly edited at, at times that it feels a little episodic sometimes as opposed to like a connected narrative. And I really don't like that twist at the end where it was all a dream. I just don't. So. <laughs> For all that, I'm going to come down uh, the same as Andy and land at a 7.5 out of 10. Boys, I can't get my voice that deep. <laughs> Boy, Boy. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with it. 
Good discussion. We were all like pretty close. We were all pretty close on our scores today. John was a little bit of the outlier, but just a little well, yeah, bit ahead of boobs, and John gets a little weird about boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I do, well, but I mean, the one thing is, is I I picked this to get Andy on, and he like went way below where I went. I personally yeah. love that that we got to do this film with you, Andy. Like I just yeah, no, it's great. You brought you brought so much to the conversation. To be honest, like I'm not even blowing smoke up your ass. Like you know a lot about this film. <laughs> I think, and I feel like yeah, most I, of it's I, not guys, even uh, trivia that you guys, had to look up before we you came on. Like you just know stuff about this movie and this franchise, yeah. and that's awesome. Yeah, I gotta say I didn't yeah. prepare very much for it, but uh, you didn't need uh, to obviously. Yeah. You're a successful podcast. I, I I knew I would, you know, I, I knew I'd kind of know what I was talking about here. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I needed to. But, hey, your um, I, I watched you number it. One. No, I watched this um, Thursday night, I want to say. So I, I did, I did watch it one more time, but uh, it's really all the prep I did for it. So um, <laughs> I kind of knew what I was, what I was going to talk about. And I got to say, John, if you, if you don't like boobs, uh, I suggest that you not subscribe to Anya Gore and uh, Melissa's Patreon. Because, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've seen that. Did uh, not. You're not going to like it. There's boobs and blood and bloody boobs and I don't know, feet too, man. Not not my thing, but if you like feet, they have some pics like that as well. <laughs> what? Yeah, Anya, what? what the fuck Way are you talking Anya about? Gore, big supporter of the show. What's that? I said, way to plug Anya Gore. Big supporter of the show. Hey, I try. I try to help my friends. <laughs> have you had her on the show? Not yet. We hope to. Oh, yeah, you guys, you guys yeah, she's a lot smarter than I am. You'll, you'll okay, uh, uh, but Andy, we, we'll have her on the show. We've had her on our show, but yes, we have. What episode was she on for you guys? Uh, she's on a couple of them. We did um, that Canadian werewolf movie. Um, I didn't the, see that. Um, can't think of yeah, we did that one. Um, about, we made um, her come on it whenever there was a Canadian. Oh, we did the uh, we did the uh, Valentine's Day massacre. Or yeah, whatever my bloody Valentine. That's yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, what's the ginger snap? Ginger, ginger snap. Okay. Andy, I also noticed. Um, did you have you seen that new Glenn Danzig movie yet? I have not <laughs> seen that yet. That just came out. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to check that Wisconsin. out. Yes, uh, they uh, they do not have that here yet. I think it's in select theaters, so uh, I will definitely oh, yeah. I mean, be taking a look at that. It's an art house film, so like they tend to play in select theaters, right? Oh, we're talking about um, the Death Rider in the House of the Vampires. Vampire. Yep. Yeah, which actually, I mean, it's 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 a long name, but it's actually kind of a cool title if it was attached to a movie that i think would be like pretty good <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll see maybe i, I can come on and try to defend veronica. glenn danzig's work on your podcast too i literally watched veronica because you guys covered it that day that and you right? had bob on right so like i'm a big you know i'm, I'm hard with us when it comes to straight chilling and <laughs> bob was on and i was like i gotta do the due diligence and me and bob had a live watch i don't remember did you join us john that day i think you did bob watched the he watched veronica and i watched along with him because no we actually brought bob on for for that podcast right i know that's what i'm saying i watched the movie for the Andy? first time along with him over zoom yeah. No, yeah. we had him on. We had him on oh, yeah, for that podcast. You guys, yeah. you guys had a different opinion than I did about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you got to separate did. the artist yes, from the art. 
Yes, that's true. Well, we'll see. Well, I, I, I hope that Death Rider in the House of Vampires is uh, maybe <laughs> a little better. <laughs> oh, oh, there's Jacqueline. She's back. What's I'm here. Sorry. All right. So for next week, I was thinking I would really love for us to cover Ready or Not from 2019. No way. How's that grab you? I love Margot Robbie. Oh, no, oh, you did not, not just her. say that. Oh, dude. No, it's, it's, it's our girl, Samara. Samara. I'm just kidding. It's our girl, Samara. Oh, okay. I always I like, mistake. They're both, like, up-and-coming, like, fantastic actresses. And, like... For, yes, definitely. They're both so, in, like, uh, stuff I really love. All right, you guys down to watch that for next week? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You guys want to plug the socials real quick? Yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter, at CutAboveHorror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review we're at uh, cut above colon horror review but i also want to say thank you so much to, to my really good friend we're gonna have him on many many times absolutely uh andy gilly horror for andy podcast. it was a blast having you on yeah, the show so thank this you so great. so much for coming you. on and talking with us thank you man well, th- thank you very much guys for uh letting me come on your podcast it was a blast a lot of fun to uh talk about horror again uh and i and i hope you do invite me back i hope i haven't uh um you know <laughs> you, have my plug? Here, you want to so. plug anything what's um i you know i don't i i have a uh a pirate a novel coming out pretty soon. It's oh, nothing hold really on, hold on. Let's What's hear that? that pirate pirate novel. Go so ahead. my pirate novel is called Aurelian Santar colon <laughs> Deathbeard and the Pirates of the Thurgashian Sea. So you'll that be able is to a find hell of a title. Like Amazon page. That's yeah, it's a long, have... long. It's all uh, me and Glenn Danzig like to have long titles. So. <laughs> is that like your? Thir- that's like your third published novel now, or? Uh, I, I've actually written 14 novels, so. Holy uh, crap. I know you, I've heard you plug at least two of them on the show. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I have. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, I'm done, I'm done uh, writing those uh, vampire romance novels now, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were a ghostwriter? Uh, I could actually write something that's uh, fun for me to write, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Horror, matey. Yeah, I wrote them under a pseudonym, so, you okay. know. You, you'll have to figure out what they are, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that that'll be coming out uh, probably sometime this week. Sweet, congratulations, man! That's awesome. Thanks, Heisenberg. Give us our, our out, and then we're going to talk to Andy real quick. All right, guys, uh, tune in next week and keep it creepy. <laughs> <laughs>